They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Tuesday, the 11th day of February, 2020. And the reading for today's Mass is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. When the Pharisees with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, in fact, all the Jews, did not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned him, why do your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders, but instead eat meat? eat a meal with unclean hands. He responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandments, but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well you have set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, If someone says to father or mother, Any support you might have had from me is korban, meaning dedicated to God, You allow him to do nothing more for his father and mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many such things. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we have here, you know, first of all, the the scribes and Pharisees are, they're they're gathering around Jesus to, you know, keep an eye on him because they're, they're trying to discredit him. I bet. And they're trying to prove that obviously he's, he can't be the Messiah because he's doing this, that, or the other thing that isn't approved. And it's interesting, um, Mark gives you a little you know, parenthesis there. There's, it's in parenthesis. But the commentary on explaining how the Jews have all these purification rites, mm-hmm. because, because Peter's preaching, Mark wrote the gospel as it was preached by Peter. We have that from the witness of the fathers of the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, Peter is preaching to Gentiles. They're not going to understand the Jewish traditions. So they explained them. You know, it's not, it's not part of what Jesus said, but it, it was part of an explanation so that people would understand. And so the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, you know, well, look at your apostles. They haven't washed their hands and they're eating. What, what gives here? What, what is this? This is terrible. This is just. And Jesus says, how well Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. Mm. Has it ever occurred to you to pray to our Lord to say, Jesus, don't let my heart wander from you. Don't let my heart go far away from you. 
Is my heart far from you, Lord? Am I just trying to love you because of the gifts you give? And I only love the gifts you give. So as long as everything is nice and comfortable and I have an easy life and everything's going well, then I'm going to be your friend, Jesus. Mm -hmm. But boy, once things get tough, you know, I'm out of here. We need to ask for the grace to love the Lord no matter what, and that our hearts will be faithful. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because the Catholic Church is often accused of, of doing this, of replacing God's teaching with human doctrines. And it's a misunderstanding, but here's the reality. The doctrines are important because the doctrines are part of revealed truth. But the doctrines aren't the essence of our relationship. They're not the essence of our religion because our religion is about a relationship. You and Jesse kind of talked about this on the last show with the Trinity is a community of persons. And so human beings were made, you know, the family was made by God to be an image of who God is in and of himself, Mm -hmm. a a community of love and life, father, son, and spirit, you know, the father, the son, and the essence of the family, which is love. And so we want to make sure that our hearts are with God and that we're building this relationship. That's why our prayer life is so extremely important. And in case we get confused about what was this uh, replacing God's law with human precepts, Jesus gives a very specific example, doesn't he? He tells them, you say that if a man, you know, Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And if you curse father and mother, you shall die. But you say, if a man says, any support I would have given to my father and mother is Korban, that is dedicated to the temple, then he doesn't have to support his parents. Well, what did that mean? That he actually gave it to the temple and then he's poverty stricken and so he has nothing? No. All he had to do is say it's Korban. It's dedicated to the temple. And now all of that is at his disposal. He can use it for whatever he wants to use it. It's an excuse. But then he doesn't have to take care of his parents. Exactly. Whoa. You know, this is not, this is not godly. It's nope. not of God. And it's not according to the commandments of God. It's not according to what God is asking of us. Well so, said, Mary. Yeah. No, and, and, and this is uh, important, how it applies to us and our own responsibility for our parents. That, that fourth commandment never went away. No, it didn't. So, and Jesus kept it perfectly, by the way. Right. It's one of the reasons why we know that... Um, Mary was honored by Jesus because the fourth commandment says, honor, bestow glory upon your father and your mother. So Jesus is the one who honors her first. And since Jesus is God, his honor is perfect and infinite. So there's no way we could ever honor her more than Jesus did. We don't worship her. She is not a goddess and we don't worship her. Well said, Mary. And I just want to mention one more thing, and that is our responsibility as Christians, this is something that affects non-Christians on the way we love each other and our family. I think that, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the last show, that Christianity doubled every decade for the first 300 years. And it was because of not, and I'm not, I like doctrine, I mean, it's good to promote that, but it was love. It was how we loved, not just our family, but strangers, and they were blown away by that. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the doctrines that, you know, God gave us the doctrines, Mm -hmm. and they're not a head thing. It's not knowledge. It's not about, it's about living in union with God. So the doctrines are to be lived out Mm -hmm. in our faith. For instance, the doctrine of the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, 
do you believe, do we believe, do I believe that Jesus Christ is really present? God, the man God, the God man, really present body, blood, soul, and divinity in his risen, ascended, glorified state in the Eucharist. As he is present in heaven, he is present in the tabernacle and at mass. If we be- Do we act like it? It should affect the way we act. So basically our reverence has something to do with the way we act. And, and this is just another quick comment from my perspective in my own life that uh, I've seen what Bishop Sheen talked about, a de-Eucharization going on where we haven't really respected the Blessed Sacrament as it was, really is, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I'll just demonstrate this quickly. And that is just go before a mass at your local parish and listen to the talk and the chatter that goes on before and after Mass. And, you know, in the old days, when I mean old days, when I was a child, we had this reverence that this is God's house. And I think that has to come back because actions do support, uh, will speak loudly about what you believe. Yes, and if you don't act as you believe, then you're going to end up believing as you act. And here's the reality in the church law, and people are like, well, church law, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. No, in the church law, it says that there should be a silence in the church before Mass. That's right. Well, why? Because we're about to enter into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. So we need that silence so that God can speak to us. We live in a world where we're using noise to drown out the voice of God. So we don't have to listen. We need to turn off the noise. And before Mass, we need to not be talking to the people around us. We need to not be visiting with people or gossiping or just or even daydreaming about whatever. We need to focus on the reality of what the Mass is, the Paschal mystery, the entire Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, his entire passion, suffering, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. And we All of that. It's all there, baby. It's all there. Woo! You know, what are we thinking about? You talk about silence. Cardinal uh, Robert Seurat, Robert Cardinal Seurat wrote a book called The Day Is Now Far Spent from Ignatius Press. And he talks about that. One of the problems in the church is we don't have enough silence because he said God speaks to us really only in silence. Yeah. And, and we have to be aware of that. And I think that the point is before and after, make your Thanksgiving, especially after Mass, and also preparation before Mass is so critical. And I think that has to be brought back because that will affect the belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Yeah, and sometimes we feel uncomfortable. It's like, well, if I sit here, what am I supposed to do? Twiddle my thumbs? You know, I was a little... No, you know what? There's a missalette there. And if you don't have a missalette, maybe you can buy a missal or get your friends, you know, get the family together and buy one for the family. And what? go to the readings. Okay, you're going to be there at Mass. You're going to hear these readings. Remember, the Scripture is God's Word written in the language of men. So God is speaking to us through the Scriptures. So sit and read the readings before Mass. And before you do, ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you. There you go. And ask your guardian angel also to enlighten you, because that's what your guardian angel is there for. And, And prepare for Mass. Read those readings and think about what they mean and ask for the light to understand. Well said. That's a great approach for going to Mass. You know, I want to just mention something that when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the Bible and how it applies to us in our daily lives. This is really the bottom line of reading the Bible. And it's a love letter from our Lord. This is the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be back with much more to share about God's Word in your life. 
This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. Sirach 1124 says, Do not say I am self-sufficient. What harm can come to me now? According to St. Catherine of Siena, presumption is like vermin burrowing at the root of the tree of our soul. If we do not uproot it with great care and humility, it will eventually destroy the soul. May God keep us from all presumption of mind and heart and realize that we depend on Him for everything. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I wanted to bring a section of our show that I call Biblical Evidence for the Catholic Faith. Last week, we talked about John 21 to 25, about not everything is in the Bible. Right. End of the Gospel of John. Today, I'd like to bring up 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, where St. Paul speaks about oral tradition. Could you read that verse, Mary? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse um, 2. I command you, because you remember me in everything, and maintain the traditions as I have delivered them to you. So that's the verse. It's pretty short. It's short. It's short and pithy. Mm -hmm. And the traditions, this is the beliefs and practices of Christianity stemming from Christ. And um, by extension, it refers to the Gospels as it was delivered to the early church in person or in writing by the inspired apostles, which is in first, you know, whether, whether in person or in writing, that's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 3, and then in 2 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 and three sixteen. So in several places, Paul mentions that he's handed things on that might have been in writing or word of mouth, but they're traditions that are to be maintained. There you go. And so it's not just what was written, 
but what's handed on by word of mouth. So, so each week we'll take one little scripture like that to show you how biblical the Catholic Church is. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. It's, it's, Thank it's, you, Mary. And remember, it's not, remember, and this is, we started, when we're we started Bible by alone. with the Bibles, it's not, we're not Bible alone, and the Bible didn't come first. The Jews had no canon of scripture. The Bible came when the bishops of the Catholic Church got together and said, these are the books that are inspired by God. So Jesus Christ gave to his church the authority, even the Old Testament, um, the, the priesthood in the Old Testament didn't have the authority to establish the canon of Scripture. Right. It wasn't established until the bishops of the Catholic Church, under, given the authority by Jesus Christ, by the, and then the Holy Spirit acting in and through them, gave us the canon of Scripture in 395 AD. And that canon hasn't changed. Now, at, at the Council of Trent, Trent wasn't changing anything. Trent was saying we have to define solemnly now what the canon is because certain um, elements within the, the Reformation... The Reformers were trying to take books out of the Bible. Right. They, they, reje- they rejected certain books, and, and, and um, even in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it had to be solemnly defined. And the church is slow to do that. She doesn't necessarily solemnly define something unless it becomes absolutely necessary. So just to, you know, the Bible, the Bible came from the church, it's not that the other way around. That's what in in Second uh, Timothy you have that uh, that the church is the the pillar. No, First Timothy, you have the church is the pillar and foundation of truth, and then she gives us the Bible because it's Christ who gives us the, what is Scripture. It comes from God. So we want to talk today again about the Book of Romans. You know, it's amazing. Romans, Saint Peter in his letter, told people that um, there are those who read Paul to their own detriment. Paul is a tough read. And there were those in out, throughout history who read Paul's letter to the Romans to their own detriment. Now, in, in chapter, you know, Paul is several times in the letter of Romans talks about sin and the fact that, you know, we're enslaved by sin. And because of, you know, original sin, he doesn't call it original sin, but the, the sin of Adam. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the reality is, is that um, some people were saying, oh, well, Paul is saying um, we have to sin and sin, sin boldly because then we're going to have more grace. You know, where mm-hmm. sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. No, that's not what Paul's saying. And he talks about the struggle. In chapter 7, he talks about this struggle we have within ourselves, the inner conflict that, you know, I want to do good, but I don't do it. And I, I don't want to do evil, but I do it. And who's going to free me from this conflict within me? And Paul clearly is telling us that Jesus Christ actually gives us the grace to overcome sin. And Paul is very clear, if you read the letter to the Romans, it's extremely clear that we're not to say that I can just sin and it's okay with God. No, God doesn't want us to live in sin. And so then we get to chapter 8, and chapter 8 talks about life in the Spirit. So here we are, in Christ Jesus, we live a life in the Spirit. And because Jesus Christ died to sin, you know, he became the curse. He wasn't a sinner. He had the glory of God in heaven. He was perfectly innocent. And he empties himself and takes the form of a slave. And he becomes obedient unto death on a cross. Why? Well, first of all, why would he even live in the flesh? Because men have to live in the flesh. Because he became one of us. He truly became man, not a human person, a human nature, a divine person who took to himself a human nature. So that in his human nature, he could show us that he could show us how to live according to God's law. But in addition to that, 
so that he could gather up all of creation in himself Mm -hmm. and return it to the Father. Mary, you're giving the answer for us even today in 2020. The reason I say that is we have some individuals, and unfortunately they're inside the church, that are saying, you know what, we got to lower the bar. Because you know what, a guy's a guy, a man, a woman's a woman, and we got to, you know, lower the bar regarding sexual morality, um, you know, even, I mean, mortal sin. I mean, those are so archaic. And what I really want to say is Romanism, Romans, uh, is actually giving us the antidote for us today yeah. that through God's grace, yeah. we can say no to sin. And I think that our modern world needs to hear that loud and clear. Absolutely. And the reality is, is when you tell people that they can't overcome sin, you're telling them that they have to live like animals. That's exactly right. You know, the brute animals don't have an intellect. They don't have the ability to reason and reflect and discern why they are here, where they came from, where they are going. Mm -hmm. Only man can do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Man has an intellect. And the intellect is made to choose, the, to, to know the good, so that the will, which is made to choose the good, will know what to choose. Right. And we can get confused, especially because of original sin, and now our intellect is darkened and our will is weakened. We can mistake created goods for the true good. But we weren't made to live a life of sin, and we weren't made to live a life of just pleasure and comfort. God told Adam, he said, you're going to bring forth the food that you eat by the sweat of your brow and the ground will bring forth for you thorns and thistles. I'll I'll be the devil's advocate here. Are you ready folks? But God wants me happy. (laughs) God wants you to live in union with him. And that's where you're happy. And that's what you were made for. And that's the only thing that'll bring you happiness. Bishop Sheen explained it this way. If you take a pencil and try to unlock a door with it, won't work. What's going to happen? You'll break it. You'll break the pencil, and you might break the lock on the door, too, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the pencil isn't free if you're misusing it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's it's a slave. It's your slave. But it can be an instrument, a a free instrument, if you use it to write with. But if you use it to open the door, it's not going to work. And how many of us have done this in life? We don't have the proper tool to pry something, where we have to pry something open, so we use try and use an ink pen. I know I've done it. I've seen other people do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what happens to the ink pen? And you're like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. I need to use a pry tool if I want to pry something. I break it. And the same thing happens to men. When we don't live for God, when we don't live a life, strive to live a life of union with God and live the freedom that God gives us by his grace, then we become slaves. And it, it doesn't make us happy. Our true happiness is when we choose God because The happiness of man comes from a knowing, loving relationship where we are known completely and loved unconditionally and where we know completely and love unconditionally. And as much as we can find happiness in human relationships, we can never find perfect happiness because our perfect happiness is in the relationship with God. I think our generation needed to hear that, Mary, because I'm sure our listeners have sons or daughters who have grown up and in this age where it's all about feel good and to hear this that embracing a relationship with jesus christ and this is something we can't do for our kids they have to do it themselves we can introduce them to jesus but if they have that personal prayer life with jesus they know how to pray then they're going to be able to get the graces to to do this and so 
uh, I think that your answer was apropos for all of us because we run into people who say this all the time. Don't let get me your churches in the way of my life. I want to be using contraceptives. I'm, you know, it's all about me. I don't want to have this child. I want to, or whatever yeah. it might be. I want to live selfishly. Yeah. And the Bible and the church is showing you that Jesus Christ is really where we find our true happiness in this life. Right. Because we weren't made, first of all, to live selfishly. Nope. And we weren't made, you and Jesse talked a lot about this on your show today, in terms of the virtual reality of this uh, social Social media media that we have, where we're not living life. We're really not living, we're not engaging in life. We're escaping from life. Mm -hmm. We're trying to escape from the pains and the problems. And and I understand, you know, there's a lot of hurt out there because of broken families, because of divorce, because, you know, we were betrayed by parents or parents weren't there to protect us. And so others betrayed us. Our trust is broken. It's hard to enter into relationships, but we need to ask the Lord to help us to restore trust in us so that we will learn to trust him and that we will learn to enter into relationships with other people and allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Jesus Christ became vulnerable. Amen. You know, it's interesting. I I had this meditation. I'm, we have a, a grandchild. Yes, we do. <laughs> and, and he's just 11 days old now. And he weighed six pounds, two ounces. And, and I'm, uh, you know, my, our, our um, son's girlfriend had a C-section and she tried nursing the baby and it didn't work very well. So we're bottle feeding the baby and she's, you know, pumping her breasts as much as she can. But the reality is, is that I'm, I'm feeding this little baby and I'm looking at this child. And it's funny, I didn't have the, the, the luxury mm-hmm. almost when we had our own children because I was breastfeeding and mm-hmm. I was busy and tired and, and there was a lot. I was the one who had gone through childbirth and a lot. And, and, and I find myself as I'm holding little Bo Thomas in my arms and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, Jesus, Mary held you like this. That's right. Mary and Joseph held you and, and took care of you and changed your diaper and fed you and you're God. And you became so vulnerable. Yep. And it just is astounding that the reality of what God did, the humiliation of our God. And of course, as if that weren't enough, he really became a little baby dependent. You know, he grew in his mother's womb. Think about that. You pregnant mothers out there. You're, it's like you're, anything you do for the least of the brothers, are, you're, his brother, you're doing for Jesus. So little Jesus, wast thou shy once and just so small as I, Francis Thompson wrote a poem about little Jesus. It's, um, I don't remember the Latin name of the poem, but it talks about this reality that Jesus really became a child, an infant. First, he became, you know, just a, a, the little person in his mother's womb growing and developing, and then he develops and develops, and then he becomes full grown and is delivered at nine months, and he depends on Mary and Joseph to take care of all of his needs. And this is God, and he makes himself this vulnerable are we willing to imitate the humili- humility of our God? Well said, and I might mention again our Catholic Mental Health Conference coming up a- April 25th with Dr. Sandoval. It would be a great place to heal those wounds at this conference. Mm-hmm. Call 877-526-2151 to register or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Online you can register. We'll be back with much more.
We finally did it. We have a Catholic Mental Health Conference on April 25th, 2020, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel with Dr. Louis Sandoval. He's going to be speaking on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Number one, he's going to go on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Second hour, depression, anxiety versus oppression and obsession. The third hour, bipolar disorders. Oh my gosh, infestation and possession. He's going to talk on mental health with the spiritual aspect. Number four, talk will be on drug use. Altered mental status versus demonic influence. I want to hear that talk. I hope you do too. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. The date is April 25th, 2020. Be there by calling 877-526-2151. God bless you. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent real estate for life.org 877-LIFE-US-1 This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back here. And so we have this life in the spirit. In chapter 8 of Romans, Mm -hmm. Paul mentions the spirit 18 times. Wow. In this little chapter. You know, you've got how many verses here? Just, you know, this short, short 40, 39, 40 verses, maybe 39, I think it is. And, And 18 times he mentions the spirit. And what is the point of this? The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to live a life not of the flesh. Okay, yeah, we still have to live our bodily life on this earth, but we're not debtors to sin anymore. We've been freed from sin. And what were we? We were baptized into the death of Christ. And what is his death? His death is death to sin. And so, again, when people, you know, when we have illness, when we have discomfort, we aren't here to live a life of pleasure or to pursue pleasure. And we have here no lasting city. We're not living to have a final life here on this, this earth. Okay. We have a hope. God has promised us something beyond. Okay. So all of our sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. Yeah. We're told. And, and, and Paul says, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. These aren't my words. This is scripture. First Colossians for, chapter one. For the sake of his body, the church. So when we suffer, all of our sufferings can be united to Jesus Christ. And you know what? We're going to suffer. You think? 
Remember what St. Maximian Colby taught us? <laughs> We're both Knights of the Immaculata. He said there's three stages in life. First, your formation as yep. a child, young person. Then your apostolate. You get married, become a priest, or if you're a whatever God calls you to do, that's your apostolate, right? And then he said, third stage of life, suffering. And suffering is included in all the stages of life. It's yeah. just because of original sin, remember, God renounced his perfect paradise. So we can renounce ours too. We don't live in a perfect paradise. You're not going to have a world that's free of suffering. But if God has allowed you to suffer, unite that suffering to Christ. And oftentimes, you know, suffering has the capacity to make us bitter Mm -hmm. or better. Mm -hmm. But we need to make the choice. The choice is ours. And the same with sin. We can say no to sin. We can say no to it because God has given us that grace. But are we willing to ask? Or are we just saying, oh, you know what? It's just too hard. I'm not even going to try anymore. We're being lazy or prideful. I don't really want to give it up. And God doesn't, it doesn't really you know, bother God at all. Yes, it does. Because sin degrades us as human beings. We are degrading ourselves when we sin. It's not the immoral man, Paul will write in one of his letters, sins against his own body. Hmm. So when you commit immorality, Whatever the, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, murdering, adultery, fornication, you're sinning against your own body. You know, it's interesting. The liar, they've done some psychological studies. It takes seven times more brain power to lie than it does to tell the truth. Isn't that interesting? You have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to tell a lie. It's easier just to tell the truth. And by the way, it will lead to mental illness. Sin that's unrepented of will lead to mental illness. And hopefully Dr. Louis um, Sandoval will have a chance to talk about some of that in his um, mental health conference, mm-hmm. you know, sin is a real offense against God who is real. And yes, it really does bother him when we sin because it degrades us. God made us in his image. And then he sent his son in our image in terms of Jesus Christ, excuse me, the second person of the blessed Trinity became Jesus Christ. He, be, he became Jesus of Nazareth. He took to himself a human nature. So God humbled himself to take to himself a human nature to free us from sin. It seems to me, Mary Danielle, that uh, St. Paul in Romans talks about the Spirit helping us in our weakness. If we don't acknowledge that we are sinners, yeah. then how can we receive the graces from God? It seems like that's absolutely necessary to come and say, okay, I'm not strong, I'm weak, I'm a sinner. And I need help. Is that a fair statement? I think that's an absolute fair statement. And you know, it's interesting. Paul, Paul had a problem too. He, had, he said he was given a thorn in the flesh. He had received extraordinary revelations. Right. And so the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt him. Yeah. Three well, times he begged God to take it away. What could that be? Because I've heard speculation. We don't know, right? We don't know, but we do know it was a thorn in the flesh, and we do know it was an angel of Satan to tempt him. Ah, temptation. This this is real temptation. He's really experiencing temptation. Got it. In the flesh. Got it. And and the Lord, three times he begged the Lord to take it away. Mm -hmm. And what does the Lord say to him? Paul, no. (laughs) You see, Paul, in your weakness is my power brought to perfection. When you're weak, then my power will shine through you. And so Paul says, I am content with weakness and mistreatment and all the trials and the crosses and disappointments and toils that I go through. He's not going to complain anymore about the struggles that he has to go through in his life as an apostle. 
He's going to offer it all willingly and admit that he's weak. And you know what, Lord Jesus, I can't do this without you. Amen. Without you, I'm nothing. I'm Paul, the sinner who persecuted your church to the point of death. And I would be putting your people to death if it weren't for your grace and mercy. And he's willing to admit that. Are we willing to go before the Lord Jesus and humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy and your grace. And that's what what we're called to do. You know, Mary, I've talked to so many people who have called me and told me that they didn't think God could forgive them. Yeah. You know, they're just so down on themselves. And they just like the story we talked about not long ago about the man who gave his life over to Satan. And yeah. when the priest was there to talk to him, he get away from me, priest. Yeah. And the priest says, why? What, what, what did I do to you? Nothing. Nothing. I gave my soul to Satan. And he said, I could never come back to Christ. And the priest said, no, that's not true. The, the, the devil is a liar. He's a liar and a murderer from yeah. the beginning. And so until that man realized that he could come back, see, he was duped by Satan. Yes. And I think many of us listening, many of us, uh, who are going to be listening or out in the world today have to understand that there's nothing you've done that cannot be forgiven. Absolutely. And and remember, Satan tempts us to sin and he makes it look very, very attractive. Okay. And it's not just Satan who tempts us. Our own flesh tempts us to there sin and, and our imagination and it makes it look real attractive. But then as soon as we sin, the tempter, even if, even if it was our own pro, you know, our own self tempting ourselves, mm-hmm. Satan will get in there and he'll say, oh, see, you don't really love God. You're not worthy of his love. He couldn't possibly forgive you. You, you're just so no good. Yeah. All of that comes from the enemy. Yeah. That negative self-talk that comes from the enemy or from our own flesh, but it's a way of taking us away from God. We need to cease that inner dialogue and change the subject of our meditation. Mm-hmm. We need to think about the goodness of God and his mercy and how much he loved us. And by the way, you think he doesn't love you? Take a look at the crucifix. Get yourself a beautiful crucifix and hold it and keep it by you. And just remember, yeah, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus Christ loved us this much. And it wasn't just that he stretched out his arms and died. He suffered before that. I think also devotion to the divine mercy. We're going to be coming up. Lent is only a couple weeks away. And we have divine Sunday, divine mercy Sunday coming. Absolutely. And I think a, a good book is Sister Saint Faustina's diary. Book, her diary. Yeah, and absolutely. it really helps people, all of us, realize that there is mercy for all of us. Right, absolutely. And this, and this is God. When we were baptized, and God offers baptism to everyone. By the way, everyone's invited to receive baptism. And when we were baptized, we become sons of God in the Son. We become his children. St. John will tell us in his letter, Dearly beloved, we are God's children now, right now. So when we're baptized, we're baptized into the Spirit. And this is Paul is telling us. But we become his sons. So, so in the Spirit, we become sons of God. And as sons of God, what are we called to? We're called to give up sin and to live in gr- the grace of God, to live in union with God, and to live in freedom, liberty. Jesus came to save us from sin. And it's interesting because in the gospel, Jesus says, everyone who sins is a slave of sin, and no slave has a permanent place in the Father's house. Well said. And so remember that. He didn't come so that we could fall back into slavery. He came so that we could know freedom. Now, is that going to happen automatically? 
No, baptism removes original sin, but it doesn't remove concupiscence. It doesn't remove the woundedness that caused was that sin caused, and that is that our intellect is darkened, so we don't clearly see the true good. Our will is weakened, so we don't always choose the true good. So we can choose lesser goods. We can substitute lesser goods for God. And so we begin to think, well, my happiness is the most important thing, or the way I feel is the most important thing. No, it's not. Now, feelings are real, and they're not bad, by the way. Feelings, if you're talking about your 11 emotions, love, hate, joy, sorrow, desire, aversion, audacity, fear, hope, despair, and anger, they're all good, and they're all positive because God made them all. And they all have a purpose. And there is holy anger. When you see injustice, you should feel angry. Now, that doesn't mean you go out and beat people up or shoot people up or, or destroy things. You turn to the Lord and say, Lord, how can I correct this injustice? Is it my place to correct this injustice? What's the proper means and the proper measure to correct this injustice? And I don't consent to the sin of anger. Well said. And the same with holy despair. Yep. You know, it's high time I despair of becoming an Olympic athlete. <laughs> I remember as a teenager watching those Olympics. And boy, I'll tell you what, for about a week after watching those Olympics, wham, we exercise like crazy, you know? I bet. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, it's not going to work, nope. you know? I'm not going to be there. So instead of wasting my time and energy on that, I need to give that up and, and start focusing on something else. Doing the duties of, the, of my state in life That's at it. this point in my life, you know? And, and one of those duties, Mary, I hope, is coming with me to the Adoramus Conference on the 14th of April. You see how I slid into that? Yeah. The <laughs> uh, reason is Father Fessio, who married my wife and I, right? Witnessed our witnessed, vows. Uh, we yeah. married we each married other. other. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> and he baptized most of our children. Most of them. Three out of four. Don't tell Father. I won't. He thinks he got them all. But anyhow, <laughs> Father Fessio will be here. Uh, Dr. Lillis will be here and many others talking on the liturgy, the Easter Tritium. And Mary... People who don't understand the liturgy miss so much. And I think that Adoramus has done a great service. And so if you come to the conference and we're going to study the Easter Tritium. That's so beautiful. Yeah, the three days. Yeah, the three days, yeah, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. Yeah, Easter Sunday. So the, if the you vigil, wanna, the Easter vigil. Yep, you want to register, call 877-526-2151 or go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And there you can register securely online at any of our conferences that are there when we come back we'll continue to talk about saint paul and how he's helping us fall deeper in love with jesus christ and his bride the church you're listening to the bible with the barbers on virgin most powerful radio This is Terry Barber with the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm here with Gil already. He is the president of the Catholic Men's Fellowship of California. Gil, we got a men's conference coming up. I appreciate you having me on, Terry, to share about our Rise Up, O Men of God, the Church for You Does Wait, Super Saturday Conference, and it's Saturday, March 28th in Covina at Sacred Heart Catholic Church, 344 West Workman Street in Covina, California. Who are the speakers? We have some great speakers lined up. We have Steve Ruda, former captain of the L.A. Fire Department. He's dynamic. Mm -hmm. He's energetic. 
He will really keep the conference moving. We have Monsignor Tim Nichols, the pastor from St. John Vianney's. Oh, yeah, he's, he's dynamic. Mark McElrath, Father Darren Merlino, a trained exorcist. Charlie Eshelman, a past Navy SEAL. We have Deacon Omar Uriati, who is from our parish, St. Louis de Marillac, and Father Joseph Shea. And I'll be there myself, giving a little plug for Virgin Most Powerful. You can reach us at catholicmen.org. Tickets are on sale there. Just follow the link. Tickets are on sale at eventbrite.com. Just be sure to get your tickets now till the 31st for $35 and $45 after that till the day of the conference. Sign up for this men's conference. Call Gil at 626-841-9090. I'll be sure to answer your call and give you all the information you need for the Rise Up, O Men of God, for you, the Church Does Wait conference. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate your help. God bless you. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you, Matthew. And so we have Paul talking about, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to fertility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. In hope. Okay, so our sufferings are nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. And that's one of the things we need to meditate on is the fact that God wants to share. He not only shares his life, he begins right here on this earth, he begins to share his life with us and, and then through grace and in the Eucharist, of course, he gives himself to us. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearance of bread and wine, in his risen, ascended, glorified state. And by the way, where the second person of the Blessed Trinity is, the Father and the Spirit are there too. Amen. They have to be there. They're, yep. they're one. The, God is one. So wherever the Son is, the Father and the Spirit are. Wherever the Father is, the Son and the Spirit are. Wherever the Spirit is, the Father and the Son are. Right. So... The glory that will be revealed in us. We are God's children. We were made his children through baptism. And then he will reveal his glory in us. And it's not, there's a hope. And that hope is that we are going to share in God's life. And it's not just for heaven, by the way. You know, there's a passage in Paul that says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man can see what God has prepared for those who love him. That's not just heaven. That's the transforming union that God wishes to draw us into. Mm -hmm. We don't make ourselves saints, but we're all called to be saints, but God will do that work in us. You know, you talked about the fact that, Monsignor talked about the fact this morning, I think at Mass, that when you love God so much, the more you love God, the more you enter into the life of God and, and meditate on God, mm -hmm. 
the less and less sin has any attraction for you. And it comes to the point, the saints came to the point where they were incapable of sinning. Now, the Blessed Mother was never capable of sinning from the first moment of her conception because she was immaculately conceived. In view of the merits of her son and in view of her exalted calling, um, but there were saints who had what was called transforming union. Here on this earth, they fell so deeply in love with God that sin had no attraction for them whatsoever. In heaven, there's no sin. There's no possibility of sin. It's like, well, wait a minute. In heaven, I remember, it's funny because I, I have a younger sister than I am, and I went to school, to college, and yet she was the one who was asking the questions, and that's what <laughs> other people were telling me, well, you ought to go develop the talents you have. And I'm thinking, but they're not my questions. They're hers, you know, mm-hmm. but she was afraid to ask him. So I'd ask him, but she asked me, she says, well, how can the souls in heaven be free? Because they can't choose anything now except God. They only have one choice. Well, the thing is now they're truly free because they were made to choose God. We're made to choose God. And when we choose God before everything else, that's the only time we're truly free. So it's only in heaven that we're completely free. The souls in hell are slaves for all eternity. The devil is a, he's a slave of his own hatred and anger and pride for all eternity. And he, it can never change. And so the, the sufferings of the moment, the present moment, they have the capacity to free us from sin, from attachment to our own ideas, our own selfishness, and to make us conformed to Jesus Christ. And we will share in the glory of God even now on this earth, the joy that the saints had in suffering. I, you know, we talked about Chiara yeah. Corbella Patria. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a who good was, one. She died of cancer in 2012. And when she was suffering, when she was in her getting close to death, her husband, Enrique, asked her, Chiara, Jesus said there would be joy. Mm-hmm. Is there joy? Now, this woman was dying of cancer of the mouth. She had never smoked, she had never drank, and she got cancer of the mouth at the age of 25, and left her husband a, a widower and, and a little boy. She was a year old. He was a year old when she died, her first pregnancy that she carried full term, um, that where the baby was normal and healthy. And Chiara said, Enrique, I can't tell you how much joy in the midst of suffering. Yep. And that's, you know, we're afraid of suffering. We run from suffering. I think you and Jesse talked about this last week, that yeah. the, the, this fear of suffering. I don't remember the technical term for it, but Jesse knew it. And no, don't be afraid of suffering. Our sufferings are the, what free us from our selfishness and bring us closer to Christ. And then we experience this joy and this glory. We'll begin to experience the joy of the Lord and the love of God that's poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. His love, this is what makes it possible. What was blessed Don Columbia Marmion. You know, he said that when he was growing up, when he was a young monk in Ireland, um, his confessor, his spiritual director kept telling him, practice the virtues, practice the virtues, practice the virtues, and eventually you're going to love God. Mm-hmm. And Marmion said, now, Columbia Marmion is a blessed. Okay, so he said, I finally realized that that was backward. I needed to fall in love with God first. And once I fell in love with God, then I would be able to practice the virtues. And so he asked for the grace to fall in love with God. Beautiful. And then he found that he could practice the virtue. And so oftentimes we think that by our efforts, we're going to earn God's love. We don't realize that's what we're doing, but I'm going to practice the virtues, practice the virtues, and then God has to give me this. No, honey, 
God loves you. You couldn't possibly earn his love. He loves you freely. He loves me freely. This is the lesson I had to learn. I remember once a priest said to me, he said, you need to stop trying to earn God's love. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not trying to earn God's love. And it's like, and it took me several years to realize that, yeah, Father was right. Because I had that misconstrued idea that, well, if I do this and this and this, God has, has to give me this. It's like, no, he doesn't. God freely gives you himself and his love. He freely gives me himself and his love. And this is the glory and the joy and the love. And it's about love. It's about falling in love with God. And then that love overflows in our relationships to our neighbors. Give you one more story of a saint. You and I listened to it last night at dinner. 14-year-old little boy, Mexican Revolution. Remember the Custero movement? This little joke, but he's now Saint Joseph. Jose, Joselito. Joselito. Yep. And he Jose. actually was captured by the federal federals and they were going to torture him. And he just told them, hey, you know what? You can do what you want. I'm Long live Christ the King. I'm going to go meet Jesus. And so there's nothing you can do. And they tried to persuade him to give up his Catholic faith. Even his godparent went and said, listen, little Joseph, just go ahead. We can get you a good job. You know, we can get you with the government, you know, the socialist government. They'll take good care of you. And he says, no, Godfather, I belong to Jesus Christ. I am going to die as a Christian. And I am going to, even when they make me uh, just, where I'm, if they beat me and I'm unconscious, if you see my little toe moving, what that, what that says is, <laughs> I love Jesus. <laughs> Viva Cristo Rey yeah. and the Blessed Virgin Mary yeah. of Guadalupe. <laughs> now, a little 14-year-old boy can do that, Mary Danielle. Yeah. We can. See, because Absolutely. he had the grace and he cooperated with it. Right. And, he's, and, and now he's being persecuted and he's going he's gonna to die. They're going to shoot him. Eventually, they shot him in the head because they were so frustrated with this little boy. But they tortured him before salt they shot him. Salt on his him. feet. Remember, they, they cut, cut up his feet, feet and put salt on the ground and made him walk on yep. the salt. Yep. And the, the soldiers beat him up, and they, they, they yeah. were horrible. They, they beat him. And it's, you know, it's Christ in his passion. That's Yeah, we will suffer. But in that suffering, that's our glory. Exactly. And, and yes, it's hard, you know. But we have to ask the Lord for the grace. And, and it's even harder when you've been betrayed, when you yeah. come from a broken family yeah. or you've been betrayed by someone in your life when there's been some kind of molestation in your life. But you know what? Go back to the Lord and just beg him, Lord, I need to be able to trust you. Help me to trust you. You are trustworthy. Just because people sin, just because the devil tempts me to think I'm no good and I'm not worth, and that, by the way, when people have been molested and neglected and yep. that's that's part of what, Attempt. That's part, part of the process. I yeah, know. part of the cons- consequences yep. of that is that you think you're worthless. Yeah, that's what happens. It, and it's, but it's not true. We have to renounce the lies and we have to die to those lies. And yes, it's a real death, but this is what we have to die to. We want to die to the lies so that we can live to the truth, the truth that we were made by God for God, that we are his children, that we were made to share in his glory and that we are loved. We are loved so much. And it's the Bible that says the, the truth will set you free. Yeah, absolutely. The truth will set you free. The truth will set us free. And that's why here at the Bible with the Barbers, we have you open up your Bible every day here. (laughs) And, you know, just a quick note. People asked me yesterday, one of the deacons actually, said, what Bible should we be using? And I suggest the RSV, Revised Standard Version, Ignatius Press Bible. But, Mary, tonight is Tuesday. Can you tell us what happens every Tuesday night at 7 p.m.? We have a Bible study at the chapel here in Covina, the historic Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. That's right. 
And I am actually, um, I'm using the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible New Testament. We're doing the Book of Romans. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's such a powerful letter. It It, is. You know, God God has inspired Paul to, to teach us so much in this letter. Yeah, I remember Scott Hahn did a series, Romanism and Romans. It's yeah. like 13 and a half hours of <laughs> class time on Romans, and it's awesome. If somebody really wanted that, I'd give it to you. If you just make any donation, call me and I'll get it to you, 661-972-7872. And Mary, we are almost done with paying this little roof that we just put on the studio and the, the house and the... Uh, that that was done, uh, and we are about 40% of paying that off. So if someone wants to make a little one-time donation for that roof, it's tax deductible. You can call us at 877-526-2151. Mary, also on Thursdays, for people who don't want to go out tonight on Tuesday, don't right. you have another Bible study? I do a Thursday afternoon Bible study because some people just can't get out at night. Mm-hmm. So I, I started a Thursday afternoon, and we're continuing that. So what time does it start? That's at 1 o'clock. We do from 1 to 3. I, you know, sometimes I, we don't take a break, so we do from 1 to 1.45 or 1, 1 to 2.45 or 1 to 2.30. Sure. You know, but, um, yeah. So that's what we're doing here at the, uh, the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I want to just remind everybody we're starting Mother Miriam's talks at least once a her radio show once a week. We're working on getting it. Every day, we're hoping to get it once a, a, every day, and I hope you're enjoying that. And also, don't hesitate to go online to Virgin Most Powerful Radio and look under the events, because we've got several great events coming up in the next five months, and that's where you can see it all, especially the Catholic Mental Health Conference that's coming up on the 25th of April with Dr. Louis Sandoval. You talk about... Going to go see a psychiatrist today, see what they're going to charge you to go see this. He's actually going to have a Q&A period where you're going to be able to see and listen and ask questions to a licensed therapist who's got a PhD in this work. He's a medical doctor. And, you know, if you can't even afford the conference, I'll let you in for free. But if you can, go and register by calling 877-526-2151 or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Bible with the Barbers. We appreciate it. And thank you for all of the donations you make, all the prayers that you offer for us. Thank you for sharing your prayer requests. We do pray for you, that those who share their prayer requests. And for all of those out there who are offering your sufferings for us. Thank you. And don't forget, Thursday nights from 7 to 9, my wife and I are there, please God, every Thursday to pray for our priests, bishops, and the Holy Father. Please join us in praying for our leaders in our church. May God richly bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful 
pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.